Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. This is the first live show of 2021. Can you even believe that we are at 2021? So thrilled to be here with you. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm already out of breath, but I'm excited to be here with you guys on what I hope will be an exciting new year where we are able to accomplish more. I am trying really hard to be as positive as possible and in light of everything going on and remembering, you know, I had, I had some time off, so I'm a little bit better slept. Uh, but I'm trying to remember what has worked for me in the past. And I know that when my child was diagnosed with autism, when he was two and a half, I felt like, and believe me, the, the, four months leading up to him getting the diagnosis, I felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me. What I found uh, a little bit at a time as we journeyed on our way was that there were things I could do. There were things that I couldn't do about some things, but there were other things that I could do. And when we applied ourselves as a family to the things that we could do, things got better and better and better and better. So, and I've always said, if I could learn and apply, if, if I could take what I learned from autism and apply it to all the other areas of my life, that I would be a happy camper, a happy productive camper. And I have to relearn that lesson on a regular basis. So I'm here as a student learning. 
I'm here with all of you. I know that some of you, good morning, Minakshi. I'm not sure if I said that right, but good morning to you. I'm here with you as a student and hoping to learn more and to keep, I, I wrote this morning in my morning journaling, I was like, I feel like Dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming in Finding Nemo, right? So thrilled to be here with you guys. We are going to be live for this hour. We've got a great show planned for you. There are lots of ways that you can watch the live show and lots of ways that you can connect with us. Let me remind you of some of them. If you're watching us live right now, you're probably watching on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. And those are all great platforms. Um, and we currently have a connection so that if you want to, let's say you're watching us on Facebook Live and you want to ask a question or you want to make a comment or you just want to yell into the void, this is a safe space in which to do that as long as we're saying nice things and not uh, derogatory things, right? Good afternoon, Deborah. We're so thrilled that you're here with us. And um, so you can shout out into the void and we will catch what you have to say, right? Because we're live on all four of those platforms. Now, we this, the podcast of the show will exist on those platforms later on in recorded version. And then you can watch us podcast and you can watch any, we are fast approaching our 10th anniversary of doing live shows. So you can uh, check out our library of extensive videos and that can be found at autism-live.com or you can find us pretty much anywhere people podcast. We have a brilliant, let me just say that, a brilliant YouTube channel where things are broken down into playlists. So if you if there's a certain type of video you like, like you're all about the jargon of the day, we've got you. Uh, if you are not about jargon of the day and you just are here for the recipes, we got you. There's a playlist for that too. Uh, if you just wanna see the Ask Dr. Greens, oh my goodness, have we got you. Uh, and if you just wanna see our interviews with Temple Grandin or with other guests, or let's say that you have a topic that you wanna, you're like, I wanna see what Temple, says about toilet training, but I also want to see what Dr. Grampiche says. And I want to see, you know, what a thousand other people had to say about toilet training. You can search by any of those things. So I want to remind you that we are here free for you. And, and because we're available in all those places 24 seven, um, you know, I just hope that it's a resource for you. That is really what the mission of uh, this show is, is to provide information and inspiration. So if it's 2 a.m. in the morning, your time, and you're like, I just don't know what to do when my child is tantruming, we gotcha. Um, and it's all free. And I'm really, really proud of that. So check it out. Uh, Deborah says, I've taken a course with Family First and gotten my certificate a few weeks ago. So I'm thankful for you people. Well, how lovely. I don't know what family first is, but is that, did you get a certificate for um, being, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what you got a certificate for. Did you get it for being uh, a registered behavior technician or a BCAT or something else entirely? But I'm very excited for you and I'm thankful for you as well for you being here because, you know, it takes a village and you guys are part of my village. I just hope I'm not the village idiot. Uh, I, sometimes I'm not sure jury is out on that, uh, but I like to enjoy myself and have a laugh at myself from time to time. And I'm thrilled that you guys are here with me to do that as well. Okay. So today is Monday and a little bit later on today, we have our uh, friend and expert, 
Bonnie Yates, who's a special education attorney. She's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. But we like to kick Mondays off with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are the experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with our family? Uh, you know, how on earth are we supposed to wade through all of this because it can feel overwhelming? Well, we have the philosophy here that we're just going to take one word at a time. First, we give you the actual definition. Then, whenever possible, I make fun of that definition because that's about as useful as it is. And then we give you a working definition. And often I give you a wackanoodle explanation uh, of what what it could mean in your life, what it what it has meant in a lot of people's lives. But we try to give you that beginning understanding of it. If you don't get it the first time, don't worry about it because sometimes you got to see a little bit of it to understand it. But then at a certain point, I guarantee you, you'll go, oh, I get it. I get what that crazy lady was talking about. Uh, that makes sense to me now, right? So we take it just a little bit at a time. So uh, today's jargon term, and I think Traven's getting ready to show it, is ABA because it's the first live show of the week. And so I wanted to get back to basics. This is a term that we use a lot here on the show. And I know in December, I said something about ABA and, and one of our viewers said, what is that? And I was like, oh, right. I got to remember that people have their child get diagnosed every day of the week. Right. And they don't, they come in and they don't know what ABA is. I certainly didn't know. So let's take a look. ABA and see stands for. Uh, let's our actual definition for ABA. You ready? Uh, <laughs> it's stuck. There it is. Ooh, it's lengthy. ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, is the application of the principles of learning and motivation from behavior analysis. It employs procedures and technology derived from scientifically demonstrated principles of behavior to increase socially significant behaviors and decrease unwanted or inappropriate behaviors. Well, now it's all clear, right? What in the heck does this mean? I'll tell you what, the first time I looked at this, I was like, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what this means, right? Applications of the principles of learning and motivation from behavior analysis. Well, applied behavior analysis, that sort of makes sense, right? But it doesn't get me any closer to knowing what it is. Employees procedures and technology from scientifically demonstrated principles of behavior. Oh, oh more behavior. Okay, whatever. Um, but here's the part that I find interesting and of interest to me, socially significant behaviors and decrease unwanted or inappropriate behaviors. So um, if you are any of us, doesn't matter if you were on the spectrum, off the spectrum, if you wanna learn something, let's say you, know, you wanna go cross country, country skiing and you've never done it before, and you wanna learn how to do that. There are lots of different methods to learn something. Um, but ABA is a method of teaching and it's considered one of the best ones. In fact, let's move on to our working definition and then we'll, um, and, I, and then I want to get to a question that just came in. So a uh, comment that just came in. ABA is a proven method of increasing or teaching desired behavior and reducing unwanted behavior. Now, this can be a little controversial, which is why I want to talk about it, because who decides what the unwanted behavior is? 
Ah, because what you think is unwanted behavior may not be unwanted behavior to the person. And I want to make sure that we are talking about this in a really respectful way. Uh, let's say that I want, I say that I want to learn cross-country skiing. And I'm going to pick a teacher whose teaching methods are going to help me to cross-country ski. I don't want somebody who's just going to be mean to me. I don't. I'm not interested in that. And as a human being, I think none of us should be interested in that, right? I want somebody who's going to help motivate me so that I want to do a good job. Not just get it done, but that I want to do a good job. Now, there are certain behaviors that I need to learn to do to be able to be a good cross-country skier, and I don't know what they are. And I may have taken a class before and not been successful at it. Does that mean that I am incapable of learning cross-country skiing? No. In fact, ABA says the student is never wrong. That if something is, as uh, if we're not able to teach the individual, then we need to change the way we are teaching. This is one of the basic principles of ABA. All people are able to learn. They learn at different rates and with different motivations. But in ABA, we're, we're going by what actually works to motivate the student to do something. And what we have learned through extensive decades of research is that we actually learn better when we are rewarded. Now stop for a moment and think about how it would change your life if everything, every way that you learned was through reward. Because right now in life, we have two different things. We, they talk about the carrot and the stick, right? That sometimes dangling a carrot in front of somebody is a way to teach them something. And other people like to punish, like that's the, the symbol of the stick, right? ABA says the carrot works better. And that's just the truth. If people are using punishment with ABA, they are not doing good quality ABA. I'm just saying. Now, punishment is a very, there's a lot of discussion about what is punishment and what isn't punishment. We can talk about that another day. But if I want to learn how to uh, be a good cross-country skier, I'm, I'm going to want somebody who is motivating me through praise and through rewards that are meaningful to me, and somebody who notices the things that I'm doing that are not successful towards my goal. Now, I don't want, I don't need, if I'm learning cross-country skiing, I'm not learning downhill skiing, so I don't need somebody to teach me everything, right? But if I'm doing a behavior where I'm rolling my ankles out and the person who's teaching me is like, well, you can cross-country ski that way, but if you want to be somebody who's really going to go far, we want to start to work on rolling our ankles in. Does it mean that I'm wrong that my ankles roll out? No, but if my goal is to cross-country ski, I don't want that to happen. So that's where we get into this, what is socially significant? So when ABA seeks to help people on the spectrum and off the spectrum, I just want to keep drilling that home. It isn't just for people who have autism. It just happens to be wildly effective for people on the autism spectrum in addition to everybody else. Okay. It's an age old science was not invented for autism. It's just used very heavily for autism because it's very effective. But the main thing that ABA is doing is teaching people skills that they weren't able to learn in another way. Let's say that we want the individual to be able to do self-care. We want them to be toilet trained. We want them to brush their own teeth. We want them to be able to zip up their own pants, wipe their own tuchus, right? Um, these are all skills that we know when a person learns, they have more autonomy in their life. Um, 
So if possible, we want to teach all individuals, if possible, we want to teach those kinds of skills to someone. Um, we might see unwanted behavior that is like, you know, taking feces and smearing it. Now we want to be clear, taking feces and smearing it is really like, mm, nobody really wants to be around that, but that's a form of communication. That person is telling you something and we need to be respectful of that. But their life will be easier if they are not smearing poop and if they are having a different way of telling what it is that they want, um, whatever it was that they were communicating through the smearing of the poop. So ABA done well, quality ABA increases the behaviors surrounding skills that we, that we want to see for this individual or that individual wants for themselves and it decreases unwanted behavior. We all have behavior that is not serving us. It might be that you are procrastinating. It might be that you smoke or that you overeat or that you know, you're drinking too much or whatever. We all have behaviors that we would like to decrease. ABA is very good at this. So, um, somebody wrote in and said, hi, I have high functioning autism and I just learned what ABA is. I just want to put the asterisk there that a lot of people talk about ABA and there's a lot of bad press out there about ABA. Part of it is because um, some people do ABA and it's not high quality ABA. Uh, and that's just the truth. You have to be very careful that you're doing high, high quality ABA. Also, there are people who are so interested in the science of ABA that they lose sight of the fact that they're treating people and individuals. It's very important to be on the lookout for those people and to avoid those people. I'm just going to be calling those people out this year. That's what I'm doing this year. Um, but good quality ABA takes into account the individual and their feelings and what is important to them and what they are trying to communicate. And it seeks to give them skills that will be important to them long-term and to reduce behaviors that are preventing them from getting to the things that they want to do. Now, this is a little bit dicey when we're talking about a three-year-old because what a three-year-old wants to do is not necessarily what's best for them long-term. Some of it's very important. It's very important that a three-year-old learns to play. It's very important that a three-year-old also learn how to communicate their needs. And um, it's if you're doing ABA properly, it will be very reinforcing for the three-year-old to learn how to communicate their needs in the most functional way that they can. And it can be done by rewarding them for doing it, not by punishing them. This is what is most important to me in my life is right now, aside from my family, is letting people know what's possible when you have good quality ABA. It is good for you. It is good for me. And, and I know I, I, I didn't say at the beginning of the show, but this entire show is meant for the autism community, which starts for individuals who are on the autism spectrum. I always say they're the beating heart of our community. But I also include in that community absolutely everyone who loves those individuals and wants to help those individuals to get all the things that they deserve in life, the housing, the ability to love who they love, the ability to work, the ability to have and communicate their feelings, all of those things, which I think are super important. I think it's important not to overlay on and say to them, you must speak. I, 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 
I don't think that that is uh, what it, good at quality ABA is about, but ABA is good quality ABA is about how can we create an environment in which you can communicate at the highest level that you can with everyone else. That to me is essential, but it's not the only thing. Good morning, Amanda. I'm so glad to see you here. Anyway, that's my soapbox. ABA, good quality ABA is one of the best things there is on the planet. Uh, bad quality ABA is one of the worst things on the planet. And I'm all about being, you know, ghostbusters and weeding out where the bad ABA is and calling it out. Cause I think if you don't know, if you've never seen it, of course you would, you would look at bad ABA and go all ABA is bad. And I'm all about, let's show you some good ABA. It's easier said than done to show you good ABA because people have their privacy rights. In any case, moving on, because I'm going to still be late for Bonnie. Uh, okay, so we always have a question of the day for you. And my, I love this question today because, you know, people talk about New Year's resolutions and all that. I wanna, I'm not as interested in that. Uh, today, I want to know what's your word for 2021? I always try to have a word for each year that is like the thing that I focus on. Now, last year, my word was edit. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it was prophetic because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was just focusing on the things that I wanted to focus on. And then along comes pandemic. And I was forced to do that. So I don't know whether that's, it was not what I would have picked. Let's say that. Uh, but I did, I edited and I just focused on, I guess, what I was supposed to focus on. Now this year, you, my, my word for this year is progress. Uh, Temple Grandin said something to me in the middle of last year that ended up being really important to me. Um, we have adopted my friend, Joanne Laura, who passed away last June. We adopted her dog when she was passing away. And I have a dog that doesn't like to be with anybody else, especially other dogs. And I just was at my wits end about three months into it. They couldn't be in the same room. And I said to Temple Grand and I said, oh, cause she's so good with animal behavior. And I said, I just, I just don't know if it's ever gonna work out that they can ever be in a room together. And she said, I said, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm using all the principles of ABA. I'm, I'm you know, rewarding them for being close to each other. I'm doing all of these things, but I just don't, I just don't know if it's ever gonna work out. And she said to me, are you making progress? And I said, oh, it's so incremental Temple. And she said, it doesn't matter. If you're making progress, stay the course. And I thought, oh, sometimes I lose sight of that, that it's the small little progress over a period of time. And I stayed the course and these two dogs are totally capable of being in the room together. Last night, they were giving each other kisses. It's crazy. Um, somebody said, my word for 2021 is hopeful. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, somebody says, goals is my word. This, uh, I know can, I can accomplish so many goals this year and I'm so excited. That's the way to be, isn't it? Uh, I love that. We're going to talk more about that on Thursday. So write us in, write in and let us know what is your word for 2021? What's the word that you're, you know, plonking down on? I'm plonking down on progress, progress, not perfection, progress, because we'll get there if we have progress. Okay. We also have a topic of the week and our topic this week is refresh, restart, renew. 
you know, I don't know if you guys know this, I don't talk about it as much anymore, but I used to be a school teacher. I started out as a college professor. And then eventually after 9-11, I went back into the regular classroom. I taught English for grades seven through 12 for a few years, uh, right around the time that I was having my son. And um, one of the things that I always thought of when I was teaching is that there are automatic resets all the time. Like every Monday is a new opportunity to do something different. Every semester, every quarter, every year is a new day to start something new. My uh, son, just to, just since we started the show, started his first class of the last semester of his high school career. And, uh, and I was like, that's kind of momentous, right? But we repeatedly are given an opportunity to push the restart button. And it's a big one at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the calendar year to push the, the restart, refresh, renew button. The truth is you can do it on any day of the week at any time. Like it's all a little bit of a lie that we need to wait until it's a new year or we need to wait until it's a Monday. We really don't. But since we're here, let's take advantage of it. Oh, somebody else says, uh, my word is patience. I need to learn how to be more patient. Uh, oh, and they said, welcome back. Uh, fel feliz year. Yes. Feliz año. I, I, I'm so glad that you're here with us. And so let's push the refresh, restart, renew button. And, you know, sometimes it's just really important to pull things out of the closet and look at them whether it's literal or metaphorical. Like, what are you doing? Is it working? Are you seeing progress? Are you where you wanna be? Like, if you aren't, is it possible that you can push refresh, restart, renew? If you could, what would your life look like? If you could let go of some stuff, what would it look like? If you could be in a place of peace and happiness, what would it look like? Because a lot of times, even though it doesn't seem like it, it's a choice. It's a choice that, you know, it's that Abraham Lincoln quote about most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And sometimes I make up my mind to be miserable. And when I do, I see all, the, it's like my, they say our brains are assumptive computers. So if I go, I'm really angry, all the world shows me, oh, there's a lot to be angry about. There absolutely is. And if I decide to think I'm happy and at peace, the world shows me all the things that I have to be grateful for. So I don't have a choice in a lot of things, but I have a choice of what I choose to think today and how I choose to react. And I can, if I, the morning is already blown and shot and been horrible, I can choose to click the refresh, renew, restart button at any point. I can do that with one breath, with one thought, and then we can start anew. So we're going to be talking about that this week because it is, it's like do-overs, right? And um, today is a great day to start over. I'm just looking to see, uh, yes, uh, I'm seeing many of the comments that you guys are writing in. Want to remind you guys that uh, you absolutely can write in on any of the platforms that you're watching us live right now, and it shows up in real time. 
We are going to be joined in just a minute here by the fabulous Bonnie Yates, and she is a special education attorney. She works with uh, a wonderful law firm that I'm going to ask her to tell us all about. And uh, we, we see that there are a set of uh, different questions for, for her as a special education attorney in COVID than ever before. So we're so thrilled that we have her. Okay, somebody says, I'm having a hard time understanding how to refresh, restart, and renew. Just curious. So I've got uh, two minutes before Bonnie is here. So it can be as simple as three breaths. So you sit someplace, you put your feet flat on the floor, you put your hands resting somewhere that's comfortable, whether it's on top of the desk, on top of the arms of your chair, on your thighs, or resting between your, your legs. Someplace that's comfortable and that you get an opportunity to let your shoulders be as relaxed as they can be. Mine are permanently in coat hanger status, but uh, as relaxed as they can be. And you allow your belly, instead of having to constantly pull it in, you allow your belly to be soft and you inhale to whatever extent that you can and push it just a little bit further and you exhale. And you exhale until you've emptied it all out. And sometimes it can even force you to cough. And that's okay because it means you're moving gunk up and out of your lungs. And you do that three times. Now, if you really want to get a good refresh, restart, you can do it 10 times. If you find that your attitude, it, you, I think you'll, we'll all find ourselves a little bit more centered after those breaths because it calls you into being here. And the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes our emotions and, and being stuck happens because we are either in something that happened not during this moment or something that we are thinking about in another moment that might happen. And it's really important to get ourselves present here right now. I guarantee you, if you have the time to take three breaths, then things are okay right now. When, when things are really horrible, like the things that are unimaginable that are horrible, you don't have time to take a breath. So if you've got the time to take the three breaths, I guarantee you that you will come into being now and you will go, okay, in this moment in time, things are not that bad. Now, if you find that you want to do more than that and you have more time to do that, um, I think it's great to use your hands because when you connect a thought to a physicality, it's more powerful. I don't know why they've done research on it and it's the truth. So if you use your hands and you think, you know, you do five breaths, maybe five breaths in and out five, you know, one, two, three, four, five, right. But then you think of five things to be grateful for. Think of five people that you love. Think of five things that you'd like to do today and just play that game with yourself for five positive assumptive things, right? Because five, if you're assuming, I, I say positive assumptive because you're assuming that there are positive things. So if I say to myself, what are the five things that I have to be grateful for today? I can be in the worst mood in the world, right? But if I force my brain into thinking, all right, what am I, what, what am I grateful for today? I got to shift. I can't constantly you know, be in that lane, I got to shift over into the lane about, all right, well, what am I positive for? And I've dealt with people before, like, I got nothing to feel positive for. Nothing. There's nothing I have to feel positive for. And it just takes a second to think, wait a second, because we all know it could be worse, right? We know people who have it worse. 
So you think I'm, I'm grateful that I'm alive and I'm here. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my child and for their health, right? We're already at four if we do that, right? And I'll bet you can think of at least one more thing. Um, and if your child isn't healthy today or you're not healthy today, you can say, I'm, a gra I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that I can walk. I'm grateful that I can breathe. And it forces you to think differently. So um, that's just like a very beginner, but that's a simple way, refresh, renew, restart. Uh, it, it resets your brain. I see that um, somebody else said, focus is my word and keeping myself motivated to add something to my son's life. I, I love that. Um, okay. Uh, I see that Bonnie Yates has joined us and I'm thrilled to have her, her join us. As I mentioned, she is a wonderful special education attorney and Bonnie is with the Toner Law Offices, and I'm going to ask her to tell you about that. Good morning, Bonnie. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Shannon. Um, yeah, the Toner Law Offices. Okay. We are a seven-attorney firm with offices in... <sighs> San Jose, <laughs> Southern <laughs> California. And um, we uh, basically do all kinds of education matters, including special education, higher education. We advise people about the regional center. Um, if you've got a case in Northern or Southern California and you want to have a independent, personalized consultation, go to our website, fill in the forms, and somebody will get back to you within 24 hours. On this show, we try to teach you about your rights and your uh, entitlement under the IDEA Section 504 and other laws so that when you go into an IEP meeting, you feel like you know more than you started out knowing. And so the process isn't as intimidating. But, you know, since we're at the start of a new year and to the extent that we have any new parents watching, I, I want to tell you, when I started doing this, which was in 1998, Maureen Graves, who's a wonderful person and a very well-known special education attorney, said to me, you know, Bonnie, this is like a vast area of the law, and there's always more to know, and I don't really try to do too many other things, because just to be good at this, I kind of have to work at it all the time. And, you know, I would just like to observe that that's true. Every week, there are new decisions from all different jurisdictions, and since IDEA is a federal program, um, federal laws from other states can be applicable. Every month there are new decisions from the Office of Administrative Hearings that we, the attorneys, try to read so that we know what the law is and also what issues we're likely to be successful on. And then usually once a week I go in and I look at the, um, the COVID roundup stuff that Special Ed Connection puts out. Um, but last night I was just looking at their topical index. There are literally so many areas that I would love to talk about and share with you. Um, there's no reason this program has to be redundant. There's so much to know. So why am I saying all that? When you go to an IEP for the first time, it's usually a really rough experience. And I think it's rough because you're obviously upset about the fact that you're in an IEP meeting for your child. You certainly weren't contemplating that when you were pregnant. But the other reason is that people don't stop to explain things. They're pretty um, quick to use 
abbreviations and not define them. They have a lot of stock phrases. They don't explain them. And you're supposed to be able to participate meaningfully. And so to the extent that you all are gearing up for a Zoom IEP meeting in the next few months, just know that you should always send written notice, 24 hours written notice, and tell them that you're going to record the meeting. And take a stab at reading your parent rights. And if you don't understand them, get somebody to explain to you what they mean. And then when you go into that IEP meeting, if they start going too fast or rushing you or being unwilling to explain things that you ought to be able to have be explained, tell them, listen, I understand that this process is supposed to be a process that's parent-friendly and that parents should feel comfortable to ask questions, make suggestions, even politely disagree. And I need to do that in order to be able to meaningfully represent my child's interests in this meeting. Do not let people patronize you. Don't let people talk down to you. Don't let people rush you. People say to me a lot, I have a question and it might be a stupid question. There are very few stupid questions in this business and there are a lot of questions. So, um, you know, that's, that's really what I'm hoping that the show helps you do is just feel a little less stressed and a little more comfortable because you know, I don't want to depress anybody, but my experience of being a special ed parent and everything it did to me psychologically changed me. I am a different person today and I'm 62 years old. So a long time has passed since I had my, you know, initial special ed journey. It changes you. It's really difficult. And we can have sympathy for the people in those meetings who come in and they're overworked and they don't have the right tools and they don't have the support. We can see their basic humanity, but we're human beings too. And we're going through a process that's really painful and we shouldn't get beaten up a second time. The diagnosis is enough. So that's my, that's my intro for 2021. Amen to that. And when we have knowledge, it's power. And we don't have to be as fearful, I think. You certainly over the years helped me many times, Bonnie, so that I felt walking into those meetings that I didn't have to be afraid, that I knew what I was there for, I knew what mission I was on, and I, I was confident that I was going, that the law was in my favor and, and, and getting what my son needed and that I was going to be uh, emerge victorious with what he needed. Sometimes it took longer and sometimes I cried tears over what we had to do to fight for it. But I, I'm grateful that I had someone like you in my corner who had the knowledge when I didn't. So well, I mean, that said, aren't you glad that you're in an era now where you aren't going to IEP meetings? Yeah, I'm, I'm, although I have gone to IEP meetings with friends as support and but that's totally different from the totally different being a parent and all the emotions that develop as you move toward your IP meeting let's say if it's monday and you know you have your meeting on friday it took me a long time and i mean like maybe five years before i let, I, I could say to myself i'm gonna go to this meeting and i'm not gonna cry afterwards yep i think i probably five to seven years for me 
And then, and then they caught me off guard in one year and I went home and cried anyway. So no, I, I definitely think I'm with you. This has changed me too. Um, I think I, in some ways it's changed me for the better, but it changed me nonetheless. And there were tears on the path. Um, but. Oh, I'm sure it changed you for the better. I mean, look at who you are and what you do today, but it changed you. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. Somebody wrote in and said, because uh, they, they've identified themselves as being high functioning on the spectrum. And they said, ah, those were the days of IEPs. I always loved going to my IEP back in high school. That makes me happy that they loved going to their IEP. That that gives me some hope. Uh, but we've got some questions. So we shall we launch into the questions? Yeah, we read, I respond. Okay. Um, so first question. My question is about inclusion. What are the reasons not to include? My son has a qualifying diagnosis and an IEP. We are getting ready for his triannual, and I just got the reports from the school. We were hoping for more inclusion, working toward full inclusion. We thought the school was on the same page. They aren't. They are recommending that he have less inclusion because they say the concepts will be too hard. They say he doesn't need an aid because he has uh, no behavior issues. He can't do the work. This is fourth grade. I feel like they gave up. We got a tutor during COVID and he has already surpassed his goals for this year. In fact, he has already surpassed his reading goal on the proposed IEP. They are, they are giving the credit for this to the teacher, not our tutor. How can I turn this around? Can I ask them to put him in a gen ed with differentiated curriculum and an aid to keep him on task? He would need additional support outside the class. How do I ask for this? A tutor, a study hall, RSP? I also hate the testing they did. I feel like it is slanted toward their opinion of him. Our tutor has clearly shown he can do so much more than what they are pushing for. Thank you for any advice. Well, the writer of this question gets the first award of 2021 for the best question with the most really salient issues in it, okay? So first of all, the preference in the law is for inclusion, okay? The district has, if you look at your IEP document, like in California anyway, there's something on the pages called an LRE analysis. They are supposed to be considering what is the least restrictive environment that can work. And it starts with the presumption that general ed can work. And if you need um, supports and services in general ed, they can't put you in special ed and say it's expensive to give you a one-to-one -one academic uh, aid, which people have academic aids. People don't just have behavior aids. But one of the things you could ask for is you could ask for an inclusion assessment, or you could ask for an inclusion facilitator to be brought onto the case so that somebody that knows how to do inclusion um, could consult to uh, the IEP team and figure out how to set this up so he can be in general ed. Based on what you're saying, it really sounds as if they have underestimated his capability. Now you ask the question, can you be in general ed and have a modified or adapted curriculum? You can. An adapted curriculum would be um, a curriculum that gives you the same concepts 
and the same work, but less of it. A modified curriculum in gen ed, which is less favored because obviously the, one of the benefits, if you're gonna be in gen ed and you're a fourth grader would be being able to access the curriculum. Although the other factor that weighs heavily if you don't have behavior problems is social benefit. But, but yes, you can be in general ed and you can have a curriculum that's individually tailored for you. Um, if your son or daughter has already surpassed not only their IEP goals, but even the proposed reading goal, then that means to me that your, your district's in trouble. They haven't offered FAPE. The IEP they constructed for the child was not appropriately ambitious, which is the language of Andrew F. So I think we need to ask for an IEE, an independent educational evaluation at district expense for psychoed and cognitive because I think that that's gonna help you convince them that he should be or she should be able to be mainstreamed. As far as this outside support, they won't usually pay for a home tutor, but you could definitely have RSP support during the week. You could have a period a day. You could have somebody push into the gen ed setting. It's all very doable. It's all very doable. And your instincts are very correct um, what's going to be hard for you is just to push back against this sort of phalanx of adults that don't want to do this. And they don't want to do it because it's more work for them, and they don't want to do it because it's more expense for them. But it sounds to me like you've got a really strong case that they need to do something different. Okay. You said something in the middle there that I, I got to stop and go back because it's what a lot of people are having a problem arguing right now. Schools are saying that they don't have to give an educational aid. Their aids are only for behavior problems. And, and it's like- That's not true. That's not true. We know there's such a thing as a health and safety aid for somebody that has a, a, you know, a, a trach or a, a feeding tube or is uh, in a wheelchair or needs a catheter. It's absolutely not true that the only aids that ex that exist are for behavior. I mean, in theory, for if, if you need an aid to access the curriculum and you can access the general ed curriculum, you absolutely can have an academic aid. And one of the mistakes that we made, and I've said this in the show before, one of the mistakes we made when we started getting ABA in school was we allowed it to be characterized, at least in California, as a behavioral service. Now I know why, but really that's not what it was. In the good old days, in the 90s, let's say when my son was in school, there weren't these kinds of limitations on what the aide did, and that aide did everything for him. Did the academics, did the social, did the behavior, and that's really the way that you know, the card curriculum is intended to work. It's teaching to every area of neurological skill deficit. So it's not about behavior only. But if they, if, you know, like if your kid has behaviors, they're going to come up with some other reason why you can't have an outside uh, behaviorist. If your kid has academic needs, now they're all of a sudden saying, oh, well, if only it were behavior, then we'd give you an aid for behavior. Also, are we sure it's not for behavioral deficits? Because those would be behaviors. If your child isn't socializing at age level, wouldn't those be behaviors? Um, but you've got a problem that has a bunch of horns. I don't know what state you're in, but I think you should talk to an attorney. Okay. 
Let's. Uh, you also brought up getting the independent evaluations, and this question, next question goes along with that. When you ask the school to get an outside evaluator, do you get any say in who it is? I'm afraid that it will be someone the school has a relationship and it will just waste my child's time. Uh, you are not required to use the people on the district list. You can use somebody from outside of that list if they have the same qualifications as a district person. And typically they have a list of people who aren't employed by the district, but that they have a contract in place with. You know, 99% of the time when I go down those lists, I don't use those people and we could have a whole show on why that is. But occasionally for some reason, somebody slips through the cracks and you get a great, um, you get a great person on the list and they do the evaluation and it's amazing. I mean, Abby Rosenberg, I'm mentioning her on the show. She's a speech therapist. She's down in Orange County. She was on the list for a client who's in the San Gabriel Valley. She did one of the best speech evaluations I've ever seen at district expense. So I don't really understand why they're letting her do that, but it's great for my client, you know? And I love that. Okay, so we can say, I don't want somebody on the list. I want somebody else. Totally. Okay. If we need to do another show on IEEs, we, we always can. I We might need to. Uh, okay, next question. I believe my child's team at school has been making decisions that are outside his IEP and were never discussed with me. They changed the amount of time he was in inclusion. They are arguing this was necessary due to COVID and distance learning can they just decide to do that? Can you read the last two sentences again, please? Yes. They are arguing that it was that this was necessary to have him the change the amount of time he was in inclusion due to COVID mm -hmm. and distance learning. Can they just decide to do that? Don't they have to do an IEP meeting to change no, that? They don't have to do an IEP meeting, but they do have to give you prior written notice. Ah. And, and if they didn't? And this, well, then it's then it's then it's a denial of faith. It's a change of placement without an IEP meeting or parental consent. But a lot of the districts now have been using the prior written notice rather than amending the IEP or holding an IEP meeting. And I think that's because they have so many IEPs to do. But if you got nothing and you found out about it via the back door, you know, that's another one where it'd be nice to have you supplement your question and tell us what things they changed. We well, it's, it says that they changed the amount of time that he was in inclusion. I don't know whether they upped it or. Well, probably, it. presumably not. But, right. you know, but that's going to come down to how the IEP was written and whether they gave you notice. I mean, the prior written notice statute is very clear and we can go over it on the show next week if you want. But it says anytime the district proposes to initiate or change, and then it says the eligibility uh identification, assessment, placement, so on, they have to give you written notice. So that, right. that's a change in placement. If you cut your if you cut your gen ed minutes by 25%, that's a change in placement. And and for what it's worth, I don't really understand why they would have to cut your gen ed minutes because there are dozens and hundreds of kids across the country that are in Zoom meetings all day for general ed. It's not as if general ed decreased. 
I, I just think I, it doesn't add up. Uh, you should ask them for prior, write them a letter and say, I need prior written notice on these changes you made to my child's IEP. Okay. And then I didn't send you this question, but I, I've gotten probably three or four comments in the last uh, week from people who are telling me that the school is um, saying that their child no longer, different people and in different states, that their child no longer needs OT. And we're talking about kids that are in kindergarten and first grade. And, and I'm wondering if this is a trend, if this is something that you're seeing in Southern California, and is this because of COVID? And in, I, I've never heard of schools trying to cheat a kid out of at least their OT. I, I, just, I, I suspect that it is because um, that's not a service that's easy to deliver virtually. If it's fine motor, there's going to be hand over hand stuff. If it's gross motor, you're obviously going to be working with suspended equipment. It's, it really, you know, I think we all have learned that generally speaking, distance learning is a problem for more people than it's helpful. But even within that larger framework, um, it's clear that doing certain types of interventions would be harder. And I think that's, I think that's the reason you're getting that. If we if we write this out of the IEP, then we don't have a problem with non-compliance and so on. Right. So, but parents should fight that tooth and nail, should they not, Bonnie? Well, if your child needs occupational therapy, just know that if they don't get it while they're young, by the time they're 12, the district's going to say it's too late to teach you handwriting and printing and all that. We just want you to keyboard. So you really do have to get it now. Yeah. Uh, so I. I but if, if they're saying your child no longer needs it, how do we fight that, Bonnie? Is that a thing where we go show us? You ask, for, they... an, you ask for an IEE. Okay. If they're proposing okay. to end the service, they, they need to demonstrate. I mean, first of all, if they propose to end the service and you don't agree and you invoke stay put, they can't, they can't end the service. But secondarily, in order to resolve the dispute and outside evaluation to look at their you know, the areas of need and how they're best addressed during COVID would be, would be, you know, reasonable. And since we're not going to do the IEE discussion this time, but this has just come up, um, districts will oftentimes, when you ask for an IEE, they'll write you back and say, hey, how about, um, can we um, have another person in the district do a second evaluation? And the answer to that is no, you don't get a second chance. The law wants to ensure that the district knows that the first evaluation is a strong evaluation and there's no provision for them to get a second opportunity to do it. Um, I'm in the middle of an interesting um, compliance complaint and I'm filing a lot of these these days and that's probably something we should talk about on the show too because people can file their own compliance complaints. Um, I am filing complaints with the California Department of Education to get IEP meetings scheduled on time, to get observations and assessments done on time, and so on. So in a particular situation, I have a student who's 18, and he has three years worth of, let's say, transition evaluations. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. I asked the parent to send a letter that I wrote for her to the special education director. And I said that, you know, we wanted, I had parents say that we wanted an outside transition assessment. 
The director writes back and says, well, no, I'm not going to agree to that because the um, assessments that, that you referred to in the IEP weren't really assessments. They weren't complete. They weren't formal. They're informal. So A, I don't have to give you an IEE because we haven't fully assessed yet. And B, I don't have to file for due process and defend these evaluations because they aren't really evaluations. So that's pretty crazy. So I just, but I'm not ready to file for due process yet. So I have filed a compliance complaint with the California Department of Education. And in essence, what I said is, how come if these assessments were incomplete, they were used to develop a transition plan? And how come nobody ever said that these were, um, what would the word be? They were temporary and incomplete in nature, and we're going to do a more thorough evaluation later. I mean, I was just like, wow, that's pretty brash to take that. Yeah. But I actually think the reason she did it is because she forgot that the parents had an attorney. The letter came from the mom. She read it. She was like, oh, I'll try this. It's just, you know, it's, you, you, you know, it's something that she's done before. Um, so you got to You got to watch. You got to watch what they respond back with. And I think that would probably be a good show would be all the things the districts say to get out of doing IEEs. I would actually love that because I think a lot of people, and by the way, Kayla is joining us for the first time uh, and, and agreeing with you. And she says that IEE has made a tremendous result for her family in particular. I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for that independent evaluation uh, at the school's expense because it feels like you're going to get a no. But well, are, they, are they allowed to say no? Yeah, they're allowed to say no, but if they say no, they have to file for due process and prove their evaluation was appropriate. And they don't really want to have to file for due process and add that to their administrative responsibilities. That's why the issue with with the case that I was just talking about was interesting, because she said that the, that we haven't evaluated yet. And since we haven't evaluated yet, I don't have to file for due process to defend my evaluation craziness. And I just want to say for people who are afraid that the school will file due process against them, been there, done that twice, they filed due process against me. And I'm here to tell you that that is a pathway that is very viable for getting what you need. I can't say a lot. If the heat gets too hot, you can always withdraw your IEE request, but why not try it and see if they'll pay for it? Well, and, and I saw that when they filed due process against me, I thought it was the end of the world. And instead, it was them getting me into a room where they could make a settlement that would be a closed settlement. And that, there are worse things than that, let me just tell you. So, um, so let's you know. If we get burning questions, we love to answer those. And to the extent that we have time left over, we'll start talking about IEEs next week. Okay. We, we only have two minutes, unfortunately, yeah. right now. I've got another so, meeting, so I'm going to jump off two minutes early, if that's okay with everybody. Uh, yeah, but please just tell us about Tolner Law Offices again, and um, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Tolner Law Offices, uh, we're, in, uh, we're on the web. Look us up. Let us hear from you. Um, there's help for your problem. Bonnie, we adore you. I'm so glad to be by your side in 2021. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Take Bye-bye. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, just we've got about two minutes here, and I just want to take a second to talk about this week on Autism Live. Uh, we've got a big, big week here. Uh, tomorrow, we're still continuing on with Temple Grandin Tuesdays, where 
Uh, it will be, a, tomorrow we're going to be showing the recorded um, interview with Temple that we did right before we went on a holiday break because we haven't shown it a second time. So Tuesdays is officially going to be Temple Grand and Tuesday. A lot of times we'll be showing you interviews that we've done with her in the past that you may not have seen, but um, about once a month, we'll have her on live to answer your questions. She, you know, in, in COVID, she's got a little bit more time and is a little bit more available to us to be here with us live. Uh, on Wednesday, Dr. Grampichet is back with us live. Dr. Doreen Grampichet will answer your questions. You can be sending those questions in right now, and we'll take those live on Wednesday morning. On Thursday, I'm really thrilled that we're kicking off this week with two of my favorite self-advocates. Uh, Jordan Kamnitzer and Tony Kent are going to be with us again. They, If you love love on the spectrum, you will love them because they are in a long-term committed relationship and two incredible human beings. Jordan identifies himself as being on the spectrum and Tony has... Uh, Tourette's and is they're both in lovely, lovely people and have a lovely relationship. And they've been having a tough go of it in COVID in terms of employment and how that was work. You know, they were working individuals before and COVID has taken that away from them. And it's been a rough, rough go. So they're going to be talking with us about the challenges that they're facing and how they're getting through it. And I'm excited to be with them on Thursday to hear from them. And then on Friday, we've got a wonderful, wonderful advocate, uh, Claudia, and I'm not going to remember her last name. I think it's Wendler. Um, she has a consultant agency that she helps people to connect them to services. And we're very excited that she's going to be joining us on Friday during Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I am so very grateful for all of you and for being back here with us in 2021. We've got some big stuff in store and we're going to keep on swimming. So I hope everybody has a great reset, renew, restart today. Take a breath. Remember what you have to be grateful for and we will keep swimming. I will see you again live on Wednesday morning, but do turn in for, I think, one of my favorite interviews with Temple Grandin tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 